What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular tenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. I am Gary Fox, Associate Pastor of the Month, two months in a row. That's right. All right. And it's just us two today. Yeah. It's uh, lonely. But... It is. Mark is with his little dog. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the little dog had to go to the vet. Getting some shots. Get some shots, and Daddy's taking good care of her, I'm sure. Stinks that he's missing this. I know. Getting the talk about him becoming a pastoral candidate. Yeah. Well, we can talk about him. Yeah. We, that's okay to do, right? When he's not around, we can talk about yeah, him. Yeah, he'll listen to it, I'm sure. It's not gossip. I doubt it. He doesn't listen to this. I bet he will. You think he'll listen to it? We'll see. We should, we should run a contest. Run a contest. First one to message us once this drops. Mark... And nobody tell him this, who's listening. So, Mark, if you comment to me that you listen to this, I will take you out. Within a week of it being posted. Ever. How about ever? No. Even 30 years from now. I will take you out for a steak dinner, buddy. You'll be like 70 years old. Now, nobody cheat and go tell him to listen to this so that way he gets a free steak dinner. I'm getting we'll a free find steak out. dinner in November. We'll find out. I'm ready for that. But yeah, so um, as you all know, especially if you, you listen to this, uh, Brother Mark, uh, Pastor Mark, is uh, has shown a lot of, of desire to, to shepherd the flock. And um, we'll interview him. How about next week? That'd be we, a good idea. Yeah, we'll... We'll uh, we'll talk to him and and, and let everybody kind of darn good idea. Yeah, we'll let talk everybody kind of get his background because he's got so much to say um, and so much history. So I'll hold off. But anyways, we're really excited about that. And and church, um, one thing we didn't get into, we could talk about a little bit more is uh, just kind of what he's going to be doing is is really getting into a lot of the assimilation, um, bringing people on, and evangelism as well. Uh, two two areas where you see this this uh, brother thrive. Is going out and witnessing, but also getting them plugged in, and it's the way that he witnesses and deals with people that just like you, you want to be a part of that, and then getting getting people involved because he talks to you in such a way that is just so compelling. Um, he is such a know. nice guy to talk to. He can almost get me to work out. He can get you motivated. I bet if I said, "Hey, let's make a let's treat Michael like he's a sinner that needs the <laughs> gospel," then he go like a bulldog. He's like, "Let's get Michael into the gym." And let's challenge Michael to get to, let's get Michael to like a 250-pound bench press. So then we set a goal. Then he would start working on you, and he's so, what's the word? I don't know. He's so he's so good. He's a salesman, too, for a desperate living. So he, he'd get you in there. He'd get you motivated. No doubt. We ought to get him motivated to get a bigger dog. He, he loves that little dog. It's a good dog. It's a little tiny little dog. Just did not expect it. Like, but if you were starving, I don't even get tired of talking about it. Let me put it to you this way. If you were starving to death, okay, and you had to kill the dog to eat it. You wouldn't even get any meat. It would, it'd be like half the meal. It'd be like. It's less than a happy meal for the kids. For real. No, for seriously. Real. Yeah. Like, I could eat off my dog probably for a day or two, right? <laughs> a couple of days. You know my dog. I mean, I don't have a huge dog, but. I think. What Pastor Gary is trying to do is just describe to you uh, the size of I could eat that little dog. Which is, his, dog his dog came to the 4th of July service. Oh, which, by the way, 
the first Sunday of August and the first Sunday of September, we are having outdoor services, 10 a.m. only, one service on those dates. Yeah. Um, we enjoyed it. We thought the summer's a great time to do it, so that's how we're going to end. And then we've got groups right around the corner where we'll have more details for you soon. I'm excited about that. I can't getting, wait to get back, back in the groups. groups. Oh, man. It's going to be I got, Yeah. I mean, exciting. we'll see what the government's going to let us do this fall. But we'll... We're having groups. We're having groups. We'll see what they say. <laughs> we'll see what they say, but we're going to go ahead and have groups. Oh, that that's cool. That's a good four-step plan to getting back. We're just going to jump step four. Right. We're back. We're just back. Um, no, I'm excited. I'm pumped. All right, so we've been going through uh, just the past two weeks um, a new series uh, talking about gifts, and we laid it out in this leadership typology, um, but every Christian would really fall into to one category, have a strength in one, another one you're decent at, and a third one maybe you struggle with. Um, or maybe you're not bad at it, but you've got to try a little bit harder and you understand that you've got to put that effort in, um, whatever it might be. And that's uh, the three offices we see Christ fulfill, and that's uh, prophet, priest, and king. Um, his would be uh, capitalized uh, because he fulfills it perfect. He gives us the example, but he's also gifted us um, for the work of ministry, for um, his kingdom and for his glory. Um, so we got to use those gifts. So this past week we talked about priest and we went out of Galatians 6. Yeah. Uh, what was something that stood out to you, uh, Pastor Gary? Well, obviously you're promoting, if you will, the idea of being a priest, right? But I did like the one point you were making about how that doesn't mean we let go of our prophetic voice. And the way you said we want to, we want to make the inside of the church look just like the outside of the church. So that way those people on the outside will come on in the inside. And I don't know how you ended it. And not even notice a difference. And your point is, is excellent. If your strength is priestly let's say for sure let's say priestly kingly and then prophetic right you will be tempted to act like that you will be because you love people you love you're in the midst of them and so that's where a lot of these churches kind of go haywire is they don't have any prophetic voice there's no preaching of the gospel there's no uh call to repentance and offer of salvation um, and so we can't be like that. So as, as we want to be priestly, we want to love people, we want to be cool with people, um, touch people, you know, like serve them, but we can't give up the, the prophetic aspect of it either. It's like, it's, it's you have to, you, you got to be both. So I thought, I was like, that's, that's good. I about lost my point there. I didn't have that like written down. Um, we'll get into some sermon prep in a minute, but... Um, one of those things where I was like, just started going. I was like, the inside, like the outside, and the outside, like the inside. And it makes the inside go to the outside, the outside. And I, man, I kept it together, but. Um, you got it right. Th- oh, yeah. No, thinking back on it, though, I was like, man, I don't know how I got through that. It was like a wrap. That's Because I, I was just going. And we'll talk to you about uh, preaching here in a second, but that's what I'm talking <laughs> Stuff just starts flying out the mouth. Right. Yeah, no, that. That hit me too, as you know, it was just coming out, and I'm like, man, like how convicting that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a good passage. I mean, it's really, really tough because I mean, he, he says to bear one another's burdens, but you also have your own load. So it's like right. there's a sense of like, okay, yeah, you serve, but you've got a load to, to handle too. So right. you're no better than 
um, the other person. Um, I'm trying to think of anything that like really stood out to me in it. Probably the the, the not growing weary of doing good. Uh, me being a priest first, as far as like you know how I'm, I'm gifted and built. You know I really do care about people, and you just serve and you serve and you serve, and, and before you know it, you can get burnt, and you're doing it for the sake of the kingdom, and that's just not right either. Um, I mean, so many families have been neglected because men and women alike have gone out and yeah. not cared for their family because they were doing something for the gospel. You know, God's calling me and, you know, would drag Previous people around the world. Before me, from what I understand, I mean, I've heard it from more than one old timer, where they were basically taught, you take care of God's family, and God will take care of your family. Like, that, it was like, you stay yeah. out of the house, like, you're to be out on the highways and the byways. Yeah, and that's that's so sad. It's a bad place to end up, guys. So, definitely, if, if you're gifted like this and service and serving and caring for people, be cautious of that. Um, really make sure and strive to be a part of group, and not just so you can be there to serve, but also be served. Um, and group, open up about your life, open up about your struggles, open up about your thoughts, and um, sometimes you don't need to talk either. I think sometimes we go to to group and. You know, we're wired a certain way and we're not feeling it that evening. If you feel led to talk, talk. I don't mean that. But I mean, like, sometimes it's good to just sit and, like, be ministered to. Not just by the pastors, but by the congregation who are just caring for you, loving on you, you know. Hey, this week wasn't great. All right. Like, how can we serve you? Like, what's going on? How can we pray for you? Those things are are vital. Mm -hmm. So part of it's just literally opening up. It's like we don't want to, like, put baggage on other people, but we'll take all the baggage from everybody else. Right. Lay it down. Uh-huh. Yeah, let, let, let folks know because you need to give them the opportunity to serve as well. You know, I mean, it's that that used to be a real struggle for me, to be honest. Like, it didn't, still is, I guess, to some degree. But as I've gotten older, it's like, no, you know what? I am, especially if they're offering, I'm going to see if I get some help because it does give them the opportunity and they want to serve. So it's like, why would I, if I need the help, right. like, need then take it right exactly i mean you're blessed and then they're blessed yeah because it's an act of worship um and what they're doing and you know you're almost denying it yeah i mean you don't have to like accept it all the time and but you know like you know what i'm saying is you don't have to be like yeah serve me serve me serve me Mm -hmm. um but as the opportunity comes like again you know i use like the example of you know giving change to to the homeless person like a lot of times we'll do it like with the mindset of like we're better than not that we want to see them get out of that struggle but we're better than but what if that homeless person turned around and then served you later on? Right. Would you feel like you're now the weaker vessel? No. But, I mean, there's a good chance that they're paying it back, paying it forward. Like, they're they're growing, right? Right. Um, like, literally, maybe they're out of that struggle now and they, they have the means to be able to help out. So let them. Like, who cares that they were once, like, the beggar on the side of the road? Like, right. You know, when they healed the lame man, he got up and started praising God. Mm-hmm. I mean, then he was, I would assume that he went on and used his, his legs to, to serve the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to be said with that. And, I, I mean, it just leads to so much burnout and things we have to be really careful of. And that's why God has given us uh, people who are priests, prophets, and kings um, in their giftings. Not necessarily their office, but their giftings. So, you know, we got one another and make sure that we're caring for one another, loving one another. And most importantly, if, if you're not a priest, priestly person, a caring person, uh, you got to work hard to, to do that. Um, as opportunity comes, this isn't just for the priestly people, all Christians. As opportunity gives way, serve. 
He says, don't grow weary of doing good. Um, that's, that's for every Christian. He ends, uh, verse 10, what we were talking about, how we ended on Sunday. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Right. So that's a sense of serving the world. But then especially, he ends, ends here, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We've got a strong obligation to care for our church family. And that's another reason church membership is so important. All right, you come for four weeks. Does that mean like you're a member? No. Like there's a reason we, we have these things set apart, right? Those in the church who are coming uh, and want to be a part of it are setting themselves apart right. from the world and from those who may be playing church by following through. Yeah. They're, they're, they're saying, you know, they're like making a commitment. You know, we're not dating. Like we're making a covenant right. to be a family, church family. Right. And it's really, really important and vital uh, for every Christian. So uh, all that being said, let's get into the topic of the day. We're going to talk about sermon prep. Yeah. The reason being, uh, recently uh, we've had some things transpire where the new Southern Baptist Convention president, Ed Litton, um, has been accused and, I mean, hadn't been put on trial like officially, but, I mean, he's definitely found guilty of plagiarizing. And there's no way to get around that. So he's been plagiarizing. Plagiarism has a definition that he's done it. Right. And we know for a fact he's done it. Yeah, there's videos. and video of it. Um, and it's not funny. It's like it's comical when you sit back and you're like, "What in the world?" Um, but it's not comical, especially when it has right. to do. Cause one, it's sinful, um, but two, it's it's misleading uh, God's people. And then you look at the the platform that Ed has built. You know, he's got a good sized church. He's now the Southern Baptist Convention's president. Um, it's wild, man. And then it, what it does is it leads people to wonder. How do these guys sermon prep? Every pastor, how do they right. sermon prep? Are they doing the work, or is Does this everyone just everyone do this? Like we just copy in sermons now. Is that we have ghost writers? Yeah, uh, you can hire ghost writers now. Yeah, so I'm not. Yeah, kidding. no, for sure. So explain that a little bit. Yeah, there's a there's a, I, a ministry, I guess you would just call it. There's a few of them out. There's there. There's a few of them out there. The big one that has the endorsements of some pretty big name preachers. Is this group? It's called the uh, Dolson Research Group, and they offer different types of services. Um, they'll even do that. You can even use them. They'll even uh, craft like a church survey, like we try to send out once a year, and just us guys try to figure out what questions we want to kind of feedback we want looking from the congregation. But they can help you to really, especially if you're in a larger congregation, multi-ethnic type congregation, you can drill down and ask apparently really pertinent questions and I don't know whatever so you can hire them to do that but then they also offer services where they can provide and do research for you on whatever passage you're preaching from uh, so they can get you all kinds of cultural tidbits and in context and historical facts and those sorts of things from you know like for example in our primary study right now we're in Acts so there's all kinds of historical, political, you know, societal things going on there. So you could hire Dulcet and they could do, you could do this yourself for 10 hours a week, right? Do all that back work or you can hire them and with, you know, sometime that week, they'll send that to you. Um, and then you could even take it further with them and ask them to write the sermon on that passage. And, uh, and then they will send you the, the I mean, they have a guy assigned to you, and it's personal as far as that goes. Like, this is your guy, 
and he writes the sermon for you, and then you get it, and I'm sure you can arrange it however you want, but essentially it's their sermon, and then you get up and preach it. Um, and so <laughs> that I never even knew such a thing existed until this Ed Litton thing blew up, and I've been doing this since like 2000. Um, I never heard of such a thing. Um, but apparently that that's a thing, and apparently it's a thing that some some big name preachers have endorsed publicly. J.D. Greer, who's the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, right, so this isn't gossip. I mean, he publicly endorsed it. It's on their website, a video endorsement. So he uses them. Matt Chandler uses them some, although I don't think he, anything Matt Chandler's done is egregious or anything like that. He uses them more uh, to kind of help him research some of the cultural historical type stuff he does his own exegetical work which is the main issue um other guy tim keller uses them uh mark driscoll uses them so i mean i'm saying like some seriously heavy hitters do this um and i never heard of it i just just did my i own. hadn't heard of that one until you mentioned it yeah dolson yeah dolson yeah man it's it's a real issue. So, I mean, like, even uh, aside from the formal, the informal side of it is looking up, um, I mean, commentaries. I mean, like, if you, like, just – you could take a commentary copy and read paste it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and read it. Yeah. So – Well, I have, like, the NIV application commentary. Mm-hmm. And so it's application, right? And that's incredibly helpful when I'm reading through this. But I guarantee I just read it. Right, because it's heavy on application, which is what preaching is. And back in back, way back in my day, those of you that remember when the Purpose Driven Life came out by Rick Warren, and you, 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 your church could sign up for a program with them, and you get X, I don't know, twenty, whatever it was, like a package. So in the package, you get twenty books, you get I can't remember everything. There may have been a video that came with it probably something where he was doing the teaching like small group material and would have outlines to help small group leaders and then it would also have sermon notes that you could use to preach through the whole thing i know jd greer probably has done that with uh just the just one campaign just it's 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 a common thing and i so when this whole thing with ed litton came up i'm like what did i do because we did do, some of you are going to shoot me for this, because I don't think I'll do it now, but we did 40 Days of Purpose at, at uh, Southside, the church I planted. And uh, I did use, more I'm thinking about it, I did use his outline, like his whatever it was, four points, you know what I mean? And then I used, because Rick Warren would, like, he would be like, in the NIV, and then the next verse he'd have would be the Good News translation. And then I hate that stuff. So I, I would just you kind of use this general outline because it was following the book. The idea was the whole church was reading that book one chapter a day. At the same yeah, but everybody time. knew. And like everybody everybody knew that's that a, this that's is a what huge it was. Difference. Yeah. Everybody, nobody thought I was doing. It. I told them. I said this is the outline of this whole program or whatever. But that's the closest that I've ever come to using someone else's that I can think of to use as somebody else's thoughts or whatever. It was just a, it was a 40 day thing. So whatever it was, five weeks or whatever, or six weeks or whatever it was. That was like, I don't know what year that was. That was, that was a long time ago. But that was, so my point is that was the biggest example of that. But back then, 
guys like Andy Stanley you could buy. So this isn't technically, I don't think, plagiarism. At least Andy Stanley couldn't sue you. I guess it could be, if you're not telling people that you're getting your sermons notes from him, that's deceptive to the church. But like Andy Stanley was selling the rights, essentially like like right. he would music, um, to his notes. I remember he was one of them, Rick Warren. There were several of them that you could get on there and get their notes. And I would go to some church planting things meetings with local church planters and I can remember several of the guys be like, man, you, you will save like at least 10 hours a week of your week because church planting is so hard. Just go to the Andy Stanley thing and sign up for it and then you can do the important stuff of planting the church and being out in the community and all these other things. And I just thought it was nuts. I'm like... Ah. Man, one of the biggest problems is these... I don't mean to be mean... So many guys take way too much time and prep. So they look at it and it's... Now, there's guys with big churches and, like, that's their job and they're putting 40 hours in. I still don't get that into a no, message. No, I don't think... Because here's, here's how I look at it. I've never... No. If I'm preaching to our hundred and something or your 10,000 and something, what am I not getting across in the same amount of prep? Right. Like, am I trying... Dude, I wouldn't do anything and, different if I, 10,000 I know. People. Am I trying to teach 100 people something different than I would the 10,000? Right, no. I would do... I would... Nothing would change in my, my my mentality towards, like, am I ready or not ready to do this? Yeah. That's what gets me is, is the amount of time that's put into it. So, I mean... Basically, you now take like, 10 hours of your week out. Like, you're doing almost no sermon prep at that point, which is what they wanted me to do. Like, they're like... You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. basically, don't do sermon prep. You know, spend, spend an hour or whatever, kind of put it together the way you want it. But really, the bulk of the work will be done. Here's the manuscript. Just do that. Yeah. And it's like, I, my thinking at the time was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <sighs> like, for like, so, Paul, writing to Timothy, who was a pastor and a planter, he said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his, com uh, in his kingdom... Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Repro reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teacher to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So... I, that was that was kind of my marching orders. It's like of everything he's saying there, the first thing, the emphasis is preach the word. Right. So like, what what do you mean do the more important things? Because he does say do the work of the evangelist. So I get that you're supposed to do right. that. But preaching the word comes first, and I felt like how can I preach with any kind of anointing on Sunday if I'm just wearing somebody else's armor? And getting up there giving a performance. Yeah, I don't know. And reenacting their sermon. I, I didn't understand that. So I never did it, but whatever. Yeah, no, it's, it's mind-blowing to me, honestly. So, I mean, so the, the real problem that comes from this, at least the concern, is how many Christians are looking at this transpire and then wondering, I've been sitting in this church for X amount of years. Maybe you've been with us since we planted our church. And you're wondering, am I, am I following a copycat? Right. And so, I mean, let's address, like we always do, our church. Right. Do our pastors do this? Are we plagiarizing? They better not. No. 
And I mean, I can even tell you guys, as I've, I've told Pastor Gary and maybe mentioned on here, I like I can't listen to somebody preaching on Acts. Like right now, it would not be wise for me to listen to Acts um, because I have a draw to like want to, oh, like that was a great point or their points. But then I think when I get up to preach, that stuff's going to be running through my head. And it's not that I like have this need to copy. It's just I have a need to contextualize. So like, there's an important thing there for me. If I listen to somebody, it may not hit the way that it hits. So when I put my time into the the work and the research, um, I'm just I'm preaching differently. I'm preaching from a place of of comfort, not like in the sense of I'm comfortable, like I'm going to preach how I want to preach, but I'm comfortable in the pulpit because I've done the work that week. So like, I, I'm not listening to anybody else on Acts. Now, when we went to Florida. Um, and so I had the week of the convention and then we were on vacation, but we got back Saturday and I preached Sunday. Part of my prep was listening to a message on Acts 7. And I can tell you guys right where uh, I listened to it. It was our ascending church, uh, them preaching on at the end of Acts 6 through 7. Because we, we got the same layout that they do. They preached all of Stephen's sermon, didn't break it apart. You can go and listen to that and listen to ours side by side. You're not going to get what you got. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that. Uh, but that helped me with prep because I was on the road, so my family had to listen to the message, and it helped me kind of get some of the, the history. And that's what I was looking for. Not I'm I wasn't looking for that a little bit, but I do listen to sermons. No, and, and some people can do it, right? I don't. Yeah. So, but for what you just said, for context, and I just I do that early on. I just like to listen to what right. other guys have done. So it's not that it's wrong, but if you 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 can't take what they're saying and then go mimic it. Right, and if there's it's something that stands out, you've got to give credit. Bingo. So, like, there, I've done that a million times, where I've I've heard John Piper say something. There are three guys that I used to listen to a lot when I was preaching every week: was Piper, John MacArthur, and Mark Driscoll. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because, again, this is all at the beginning of kind of like the what we think of now as kind of the internet, YouTube age, and everyone had a cool web. Like, not I should say, not everyone had a cool website. But those guys were some of the first ones to get all of their sermons up and cataloged easily. So I could type John 12, you know, whatever I was looking for, and to see if they were preached from. It was real easy. So I would always, like usually on Tuesdays. Well, Driscoll was like the most downloaded pastor. Yeah, yeah. Driscoll's was cool. And I loved listening to those guys. But I would do that early on just to kind of get my my head saturated into the passage before I started putting notes down. But some guys will do that, and then they'll try to reenact what Mark Driscoll did, or they'll try to reenact MacArthur or whoever. Right. And literally using their points. Yeah. So Monday rolls around, you're preaching that Sunday. What's sermon prep look like for you through that week? Nothing. Not on Monday. Oh, um, we got Mondays. On left. Mondays, I and that was always important for me. I was I would decompress, decompress. Because some guys take Saturdays off. My week, I always, <clears throat> I I needed, I needed. I felt like by time I, I felt like by time I got ready to preach on Sunday morning, like I was ready to just start breathing fire. Like I was building my whole week and it would amp up. And so I didn't do a lot of stuff on Saturday. Saturdays is when I would really start putting stuff together. Sometimes even Saturday nights. And there was a few times, even Sunday mornings, I'd get up real early because I, I still didn't feel settled, and I would just 
get to the church office and I would just start pounding out the final notes, but it had been amping up. So my my week started off with Monday not doing hardly anything, like I, I unless there was an emergency, and then I would start on Tuesday, and then I would um, either Tuesday or Wednesday I'd listen to a couple messages, maybe if I could find something on the same text some of other guys had preached just to kind of get my mind thinking and listening to and they'll talk about context and so forth and jarring my thinking on certain things but the biggest thing I would do is I would just start reading the passage over and over in different translations so like I would read it in the in the New American Standard in the NIV in the ESV in the King James in the Amplified in the NIRV which is a third, which is a translation written at a, like a third grade level, so it's for kids. But it's a true. It's not a paraphrase. It's a translation. I mean, I would read that. I would read. Um, there's probably ten translations at least that I would read, and I would just go. I would just read it and read it and read it and read it. And now all I'm trying to do is by reading it through all of those translations, I'm trying to get the flavor of the because I don't know Greek and I don't know Hebrew and don't know Aramaic so I'm trying those by doing that it's kind of mimicking what guys who know those languages do and that is they're trying to get their head around the big concept of the way in which these words are being used um, and so I would read it multiple translations all day on Tuesday uh, I'd maybe try to memorize a pet like a maybe a verse or two and work on trying to commit it to memory the way I would describe it, and by the way, the way I do sermon prep, I never went to seminary. Maybe some of you can tell. <laughs> I never really had any formal training. But I, what I would describe it as is I would, I would try to marinate in the text itself and, and not read any commentaries. If I listened to something, it would have been after I already had preached, or I mean, uh, been reading them. I just was the, starting off my week just trying to marinate in the in the text itself okay there you go yeah so for me it's it's same thing mondays are off um monday if the kids are napping i might read the passage ahead like just in my time my devotion or whatever for the day um but that's as far as that goes it's not like getting the the notebook out and, and writing any notes down it's literally just reading the text but tuesday rolls around and i'm opening up the word i'm reading it um, I'm not as as prone to, to go into a bunch of different translations. I've done that in the past. Um, I've just found myself in a rhythm of reading the text over and over and over, ESV, just looking at it. And what I'll do before turning to a commentary, I'll usually make a little bubble like a cloud, and I'll put first thoughts. And I think this is actually something that you know I've tried to share it with, with Christians, things that they should do. When you read a passage... Write down like what you think you're you're seeing, or it could be questions. I don't know yeah, if you would do questions. That. Either first thoughts or first questions. Oh, dude, like, sometimes I, I say yeah, this way. I come to like something a verse, and it's just confusing. And I think you listeners need to hear that. Sometimes mm-hmm. us pastors we come across and we're like, "What in the world?" Yeah. So this past Sunday, I kind of had that with uh, what he was saying, um, "Bear your own load." But like right before that, he was like talking about pretty much boasting in yourself. But he didn't mean to like brag. It, it's not that kind of boasting. I, he literally right before or right after that goes into like we only boast in Christ. Like, right. So that's obviously not what he's saying. So you have to uh, interpret 
scripture with, from scripture, right? That's what we're doing. Um, but I'll do that, write down first thoughts. And then I'll pull up the Reformation Study Bible, which I think is excellent. Um, that's R.C. Sproul's. It's just a, a study Bible. But, I mean, he does a great job just hitting a, a few things that stand out or are important, uh, things we need to know. And there's times where it's like, oh, I, like, misread that. But it's great because what it does is it helps me because Scripture never contradicts, contradicts Scripture. Right. So, like, if we're in Acts and then, like, we're preaching Galatians down the road and it's the same concept, my first thoughts are usually, like, on the dot. Like, I got it. Because I've spent time writing down and being wrong at times. Like, right. But... I don't get up to the pulpit without knowing, right? Like, I'm not, like, unsure by that moment. I'm not going based off of first thoughts or how I feel. But I'll do that because it helps me grow. So I turn to the Reformation Study Bible. I've got um, all of this, by the way, is out of Lagos. Um, our church is uh, paid, I think, from, like, even before we planted, when churches were starting to have me come preach for support or whatever, I got this. is like, the first few hundred dollars we spent as a church. And it's a... Uh, digital library where I can just pull it up on my phone, my iPad, my computer, and it's got all of our uh, resources, commentaries, and whatever on there. So then I go to uh, commentary, critical, and expl- explanatory. I can never say that explanatory. word. Explanatory. Explanatory. When I like look at it, can't do it. Yeah. Explanatory on the whole Bible. So they hit on like a few phrases uh, through chapters, and that helps me. Matthew Henry's commentary, which is a public resource, you can go to the World Wide Web and find that. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and then, like, I have a few other physical copies: New and Old Testament. Um, ESV Study Bible. Yeah, ESV Study Bible. Um, and then for Acts, we have Christ-centered exposition, which we buy for any book that we're going through, like the Gospel of John. We had it. Acts, we we've got it. Um, if you guys are interested, you can go into the office and, and look for it. It's there on the bookshelf. Um, and then for words that stand out, there's an exegetical guide on Lagos. And that helps me see the context of the word. Because like Pastor Gary said, we're not Greek and Hebrew scholars. Um, so Tuesday, again, I'm, I'm getting into the, the ground level. And that's usually before this podcast um, that I've done that work. Um, Wednesday, that's usually where I'm getting into some of the thicker. Like Matthew Henry's commentary is so long. Yeah. Like the Reformation Study Bible's short and sweet. So that's why I'm chewing up on Tuesday. Still reading the scripture through the whole week. Wednesday, like I said, it's Matthew Henry. Thursday, I'm I'm piecing it together. Like now we're getting the kids lesson out and that's helping me. Like this past week I had like everything done by Thursday. Yeah. Um so that's where I'm like framing out my outline. Uh, Saturday nights usually when I type it up officially uh, families you know they're all in bed I'll do it there or on Sunday morning but I've already got it all in my head like points are already laid out people may think that's crazy but it's like my run through yeah because because it almost seems like well man why wouldn't you get that typed up way earlier you know what I mean like what if what if your computer breaks or I don't know and I guess that could happen or whatever but the Holy Spirit is working on the preacher the whole week. And so to me, it's like if I had this thing nailed down by Wednesday or Thursday, look, God could tell me something and point, like bring out a burden, and i got to redo the whole thing or whatever on Saturday night anyway. You know what I mean? Or Sunday morning. Right. Um, That's so I always I like. tried to wait. It's like, okay, yeah. Lord, is there anything else that I'm not seeing here that you want me to put in here because that's part of the prep right like we're not always in front of the computer looking at it a lot of times it's 
you're literally just thinking of the text. Yep, and praying. And yeah. yeah. What is, yeah exactly. So we don't always have sixty verses. It's just ten. So like those ten, you may not like have it memorized, but you know like. And it's not really praying like God. What does this mean? I guess you could do that. My prayer. And I think most preachers who are doing this. Our prayer is usually about where is this congregation of people, and what because like there could be out of the same passage, you could probably go two or three different not directions but have different weighted em- uh, emphasis right. on certain things. Um, where you could you could in other words, I put to you this way: you could take the same passage and probably preach out of it three straight, four straight weeks, and have three or four different kind of emphasis throughout so you're hitting on the same kind of common points but there's some particulars and so you're praying like what does this congregation what do you want me what do you want me to emphasize out of this thing because there's so much gold in here that's that's the one of the biggest problems with what we're saying from like stealing from other people mm-hmm. is because a bulk of the prep is is thinking about you guys the congregation like where are we as a church family and where does God want us to go? Um, and that's why, like, like we have guys who can preach, but, like, when we're, like, you know, Pastor Gary's getting in the pulpit, uh, we're bouncing ideas off of each other when I'm getting in the pulpit. Like, we know the text, and it may not be, like, a formal sitting down and writing the sermon together, but, like, we are trying to think of, of the congregation. Which part? Well, Ed Litton has team, said that he's got, an eight, he's got an eight-member team that helps him put his sermons together. And so let's be very clear, because you'll hear every now and then we'll talk about team prep to where like it's harder because it'd be easier if we had four full or three yeah four full time pastors who are full time on staff and it's just literally part of our week. We don't have that three. Of, I mean I'm I'm whatever I'm kind of part time, and then Simon and and now Mark. They work full-time jobs, so they don't have the flexibility just to get together for meetings like this. But when we do, and we talk about either a particular sermon, or sometimes we'll get together and talk about the whole series, just in general. It's not like we're sitting here telling Michael, hey, you know, here's this point, make sure you put this. We're not writing his sermon for him. We're talking about uh, general impressions or things that we've heard in the past about this, or we know about this passage. And he's he's just gathering that information, and that may may or may not get in the sermon. It's just helping him think through some things. Maybe it is a, a tougher passage, but it's not like we're sitting here writing the message because he, God has to be the one, and He can use us. And maybe He would use us in those prep times, right? So maybe something would get into the sermon, but that's not the point of the getting together. The getting together is to is to kind of just like help him there could be a blind spot or something like that to where one of us can say but he's got to he's got to so we're kind of putting the ingredients on the table for him but he's got to bake this cake the lord has to has to take all that stuff and show him what kind of cake he wants out of this and there's a couple different cakes that could come out of it. it's all cake it's all the same thing but it could be just a very different uh like i say different emphasis right and i'll say this too because you'll hear like team prep like i know our sending church, uh, they do it, and it looks a lot like us. It looked a little bit different for a little while because they were multi-site. Uh, so it was one church, two lo- uh, locations is how they, they were doing it. But the main thing was when they were getting together, 
they were collectively trying to come up with the same main points because they're moving through the same text. Um, oftentimes they would send, you know, the pastor from this church. Did they have live preaching in both services? Yeah. So that's the thing. They would swap pastors. Right. And they were always on the same page. We just talked about this last week. Right. These are the points. So they could recap as they were, like, moving through their message. That's a different dynamic. But, all, but yeah, and, and all the application, even application looked a little bit different because context going down two exits down the interstate was different. Like, right. you might be in a, a more white-collar community right. uh, where you're preaching the same message with the same points, but the application is different. Also, they never shared um, illustrations as far as, like, they may come up with an illustration, like, in general, like, right. say a construction worker goes down the street, you know, right. but, like, Pastor Will's never, like, using Pastor Jeremy's kids' names, like, right. oh, you know, my kid, you yeah. know, went and, or just no. be, even if they don't use the names, just making up a story and switching the names around. Right. Yeah, we don't. That's garbage. It, <laughs> that's another thing, too. Guys who, like, lie in illustrations. Can't stand there. Like, and they talk about it like being their life. Mm-hmm. I don't get that either. Like, I mean, you can use the illustration, make it hypothetical. I mean, I like, what, what is going on here? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, it's just so. Well, that's what got me with Ed Litton too. I talked about it in whatever podcast one or two ago. It's like punk. Where he was like using JD Greer, but he was they were talking about Augustine, and he's like, yeah, and like acting yeah. like he's a big Augustine fan. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to get up and act like that because I don't know that I've read maybe like quotes or like oh, paragraphs, yeah. little quick snippets of Augustine, but like I couldn't even tell you what he said. Like off the top of my head, I don't have one quote for you like right. from Augustine. I like Charles Spurgeon. I can't think of one quote other than because we we do it so often. I intend to smoke a cigar for the glory of God. <laughs> and like that's a funny one that like we share, but like other than that, I can't think of. You're not a Spurgeon scholar. Right. And there are experts right. who could write. So, like, how am I going to pretend to be? You know what I mean? Like, right. when I say, like, a quote, and we do this often, I, I don't do this every week. It just depends on kind of, like, what's come up, like, um, from the web or whatever. I'll quote guys. But, like, we, we give them credit, too. Like, that's a it's big part. It's not hard. No. No. Just like what I said. Even like, on the screen, it'll have their name. Mm-hmm. Like, when we do that, if we put it on the screen... It's got their name. And I'll say, you know, Charles Spurgeon said this, John Piper said this, Matt Chandler said this, Beth Moore said this. You know, like, it, we, we, we give people credit when we're using their stuff. Did you say Beth Moore? Sure did. Get out of here. You would never quote her on a Sunday morning? Never? You don't think she's out I would say, um, <laughs> I would say, well-known heretic, Beth, though. Stop. She's not a heretic, but I, I'm not a fan. You know, I'm sad to see some of the things that transpired there. Anyways, yeah, um, yeah I, I think that it, it's just, it's sad and it's a shame. And like, let's be honest too. It's literally part of your job to prep this. It's the most important part of your job too. Yeah, I mean like, I right next Preach, to pray. No yeah, word, pray, God. yeah. It's like, like you're, you've got to be, re- so like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Like just, to me. You, in order, here, here's a clue. In order to preach the word, you have to know the word, right? I know that sounds crazy, but the I mean, I guess in theory, somebody could get up there with very little prep time and Dude. the Holy Spirit, and as long as you're reading from the Bible, the Holy Spirit can, you know, could fill your mouth. But that is, that's not what anybody was doing. That's not what Paul was doing. That's not what any, Timothy, none of them. And then the ancient Jews, the rabbis, they sure as heck didn't do that. They all study. The worst part soul. about this is we expect our church family to be in the Word. 
and then we're not even going to be in the word for the message like digging in and diving in yeah like how are we going to set the bar like we wonder why it like reading is such a chore of like god's word no we're not saying you need to like get up and like read every church history book that's out there but goodness gracious read the bible and pastors aren't doing that now like we're we're not spending the time. like what you were saying part of that is sermon prep is being in the word like even for you how are you gonna write and and you're gonna get up there and not be in it and these guys are telling you yeah just you know sign up for this and that eliminates 10 hours of your week that 10 hours is so fruitful you know how many commentaries i've read over the years of scholars and i'm looking at it and i'm going i don't i don't agree with this i don't agree with this guy on this right or i think he's wrong you know how you know well, if, that you disagree? What's that? Because you read the Bible. Yeah, well, well, yeah. You're not even just leaning onto the commentary. You're so like, like, I don't know how you somebody that. else's notes, right? and I didn't study this thing myself, I'm basically just assuming You're this guy knows what the it. heck he's talking about. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, You couldn't even do that with one of your favorites, Doug Wilson. Could you imagine taking... He's a Presbyterian, right? Yeah. If you took his message and tried to bring it into yeah, our Southern Baptist right? Church, which... We know, like, we have our disagreements, but, like, imagine you didn't prep, and you're in the middle of reading it, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have any notes for this, so... I right, or I don't know why that's wrong. Right. You know, like, you got to be able to, like... So, like, studying... Studying is... Um, it's more than just reading the passage. You also, then, need to understand... And I believe this is, like, the heart of preaching. This is what... I believe if you can get to what I'm about to say... Then you that you're ninety percent home, like you basically have done the job, and that is give the people the context of what this passage, what where does this passage fit? What's the context going on? Right. Because once you understand the context, then it becomes so much easier to understand what's being said, and that's where the study really comes in. Dude, this past week. Galatians 6 mm-hmm. and so fulfill the law of Christ mm-hmm. they were so focused on the law that connection the context of like why that would have hit oh my goodness right. and let me tell you I didn't I didn't and pick the context so of Galatians there's this huge controversy of the Judaizers who are insisting that everybody follow the law of right. Moses and get circumcised so okay bing all of a sudden bingo now I know that the general context of that book is that Paul is like beating some rear ends about letting this crap come into that church. He's like, who's bewitched you? So then you get to chapter 6, he talks about the law of Christ. So now all of a sudden it's like, oh, bingo. Like He is contrasting what they're talking about with all this over here. You know what I mean? But you you won't pick up on that if you don't know the context. And so you at home, if you really want to understand the Bible... You don't have to spend 10, 15 hours a week to prepare like a sermon, but it would be good to have a study Bible or something that has notes because those notes are going to not necessarily kind of like tell you like, well, to me, this passage means this. That's not what's going on. Right. They're going to give you historical context. And I promise you, if you understand the historical and the grammatical context, like for example, the way a word is used, um, the word jealous, you know, is in the Bible. There, there's a context for that word in the way in which it used to be used that we don't commonly use it that way now. So if you don't understand the context, how are you going to understand the meaning of it? 
And so that's where the study and the hard work comes in. And if you're not doing that, I don't know how you can with confidence get up and preach. I, I don't get it. I, don't I really don't get it. And one of the easiest things you guys can do at home to get the context without even getting commentaries, go to the Bible Project on uh, mm-hmm. YouTube. They literally, and they make it really cool, like how they like map it out and do like art and everything to, to kind of lead you along um, the book. But they'll give you the context all the way through of like what's going on. And it's phenomenal. They do a great job. Their sound, I would, I couldn't recommend them enough. We're getting off topic here, but let me just say this as well. In your Bible time and Bible yeah. study, for those of you at home that aren't preachers, don't always feel like you've got to be in a race to get through a whole chapter or whatever. Like, right. I just got to do this. You may, you, may, you may be, if you take the time to use, there's a hundred resources we could, we could recommend to you that are written for you for the church members, right? To study, to do some of this back work that we're talking about. And you will find your love for the Bible will explode. It'll explode. But you may not get through the Bible as fast as you think you're gonna try to get through it. Right. There's nothing wrong to read, just read through it. That nothing, I mean, nothing wrong. I mean, that's a great thing. But if you do decide to slow down and study it and do that some of this right. stuff you will it'll you'll be blessed right and that's the thing too is like i hope that this encourages you like the hours that is put into it your pastors aren't like superheroes we don't just know these things mm-hmm. but we take the time and that's the big misunderstanding yeah. too and and go like when you start a book like i said bible project is great you can even do a quick google search and even with context it's so hard to find people going out of context it's when people don't use the context that they're they're preaching their own understanding literally type in i've done this like in and just trying to like look at different books of like trying to figure out what are the summaries because oftentimes i know but like it's a good refresher type in on google context of galatians yeah it'll pop up like there's there's so many resources and then you'll you'll find like the one that you really enjoy because they they map it out really well and don't rely on that but like look at that you know a little bit of context. Now slowly read that book. Right. Like, in that context. Yeah. It's like, oh, now, okay, I see what... Dude, why it, is, it is literally mind-blowing. Like, mm-hmm. if, you, if you read Galatians and you, like, don't understand, like, what's going on, even though, like, he gives a lot of the context, too, as he's moving through, but when someone gives you a summary of what's going on and then you read it and you start out with, like you said, like, they're stuck in the law of Moses and they're trying to push it on these, these new converts... And then the connection at the very end, like he's, he's wrapping up his epistle, like this letter's coming to an end, and he makes the connection to the law of Christ. Right. Like how like mind-blowing and eye-opening that is, and like life-changing. Um, just you to, study just the context, that you won't bit. ever forget it either. Right. Like I'm not sitting here with a commentary of Galatians. How did I pop off and just say the context is this issue with the controversy with the Judaizers? Because at some point I read that. At some point. Right. So it, like, it creates building blocks right. for you. To where you're not going to forget that. So the next time you're in Galatians, or if you go, you're on vacation, you visit a church, and the pastor just randomly, this week we're going to be in Galatians 2, like you already have kind of studied that book a little bit. So it just it just is so beneficial to do that. I, I don't know what else to say. It's just critical to do it. You can, I don't know how you understand not only the Bible, but any literature without understanding the context in which it's, I don't care if it's a phone book. You need to know what a, the, a phone book is for, and if you understand what a phone book is for, you open it up, and you go, "Oh, this makes sense now." A what? A phone? You guys don't? Oh, you? I'm kidding. We used to get those. You young pages. people don't know what phone books are. We used to get it taken to our house. 
couple you know times what we a used year. to do? I used to pull out the phone book and I would flip the J and I would scan down and I would look for Jordan and then I would keep scanning down and I would look to see how many people were named Michael Jordan and then I would call them and I would say, <laughs> hey, you had a great game last night. Ah! And then hang up. That's called prank calling. I remember doing that. <laughs> I've got stories for you on prank calling. Man. Anyway, final remarks. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, everybody, preachers are different. Some preachers are, like, I use very little or basically no notes when I preach. And that, and so, uh, that, so that's a technique. That's a way of doing it. Other guys manuscript the whole thing out because when they get up there, I, and I don't know, I don't, to me, it's, it's just what I, I it's just very natural. Like I, I, I try to saturate in the, in the, I read the passage many, many times, different translations. Then throughout the week, I'll listen to a couple messages preached on that. I'll read commentaries, all of that study that I'm doing. I read all the, I got very study of Bibles. I read through all that. And I'm trying to get the context. And as I'm understanding the context, all of a sudden the application just starts to float up. And then when I get up to preach, I feel like I've, I've oversaturated my mind on this passage to where then I can just start talking. I just start preaching. I just start, it just starts coming out of me. Um, some guys do the exact same process, but they would get up there and they would, they would forget things or they would get, get nervous or I don't know what would happen, but they, they manuscript things out. Some guys put notes, you know, they'll have kind of a general outline where it's not full manuscript, but they've right. got kind of half a manuscript and half not. All that stuff is just different ways, different, you know, everybody's kind of different in how they do that. But the big point is that the preacher needs to be fully aware of this passage to where after church you can talk to him and he can answer questions and he's aware of this because the people of God, when they come together, they don't need to hear somebody's opinions on anything. They need to hear from the Word of God. And that's where the power is. And so it is just such a preeminent part of his job um, that we can't back off of. So I just thought it would be cool to talk about that this week, kind of let people know what do we do and how, how do we get to Sunday morning. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, great points. And, you know, I, I just think it's sad that, that people are being misled. But um, let me assure you, it ain't happening here. Um, we love the word too much to, to not be in it as pastors. Uh, we love you guys too much to not lead you in it as your pastors. Um, so that's what we're going to continue to do. And, and again, I just want to encourage you in that because we're not superheroes. We have to put the time in and, and we're praying over it. We're reading it. We're going to, to other resources to try, try and understand what Pastor Gary saying is the context. We're not going to, to commentaries to look for what to say. We're trying to get a grip on on what exactly is happening within that passage, so that we can deliver it to our context, right? Um, so better understand that context, and also get the application of how how we are supposed to live accordingly. So um, that's it, man. And then by doing that, I also say this, and we can be done. So we emphasize exegetical preaching at New Hill, and the reason we do that is because we want, as we're preaching, there's a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is we want you in the pew to be able to, to see what we're doing, to look at a passage and say, I under, okay, I see where he's going. I see, I can read this with him and I can do that. What he's doing, 
I can read it in the same way. I understand how he's putting this together. We feel like if you hop around from, okay, this week we're going to talk about how to be a healthy parent. So we're going to be in three different books and three different chapters and, you know, bouncing around. And the people in the pew, they may be getting good insights. I'm not saying that. But that it doesn't really teach them how to study the Bible for themselves. So that's, that's the other, you know, we want an immediate application for your life that Sunday that you can take home for that week, that sort of thing, right? But we also want to, over time, develop within you an understanding of how to handle the Word of God. And we, mod, we try to model that through our preaching as well. So I wanted to get that in. Nope, I appreciate that, man. It's really good. All right, church, we hope that this podcast helped you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have any questions about this episode or a previous episode, please email us at engage at newhilloh.com or go to newhilloh.com slash ask to send in your questions so that we can answer them. All right, church, go honor God in all that you do. Provide to the needs of others. Oh, botch that. Honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Boom.